feeling you up. Kind of standing. You're not feeling me up, and I wish you was. Ooh. Getting saucy up in here. Woo! I like shit more. What? Hmm? What? I need to shit more. Who, me? You, no, you shit, you're shit enough. <laughs> Oh, yep. Like, I just want to stand and stay still. Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture, media, and alien movies, TVs, and comics. <laughs> I'm your really far away host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Batman. Matt, what should people do? People should like, people should subscribe, and people should tell their friends. People sh- should specifically check out our, I'm going to keep plugging our Patreon, because mm-hmm. uh, it's the new thing that we got going on right now. Uh, it's, uh... Just us losers at patreon.com. I don't know how Patreon works. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't. I don't know. We're on there somewhere. You can probably find us. You're a sappy uh, 21st century person. If you go to the if you go to our SoundCloud, there's a link to it, so you could you can click that. Yep. Uh, we're if you wanna if you want us to watch movies that are kind of out of our normal wheelhouse for stuff we'd review or otherwise talk about extensively, uh, send us a little money to help defray the costs of tickets because. Dang, movie pr- ticket price inflation is, I guess not really a thing. seems like they've been the same price as long as we've been doing this. But yeah. if I say that, then maybe people will take pity on us. Yep. Matt, what you been up to? So, uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Matt, what you been up to? Very little this week, as it turns not out. Um, yeah. well, we one or two more issues might fall. Um, most recent I missed week, a couple so, days um, in here. Also, the, just to, you know, put a little behind the scenes, uh, just in case you guys ever wonder why I get up so often, like I'll probably disappear and Matt will ramble for a second. Yep. It's because I check the audio every once in a while to make sure it's still recording. This is exactly why. Because we got to the end of the news and we realized it stopped recording. Yep. Uh, so, and gonna, so the reason right I was shouting here. is because I started recording and then shouted to continue. Yep. So we're just going to breeze through uh, what you've been up to is in news. All right. Uh, so, Matt, what you been up to? Very little. A couple more issues in Nightfall. Um, still a slog, but I'm still kind of forcing myself through it. Yeah. Um, I got Hannah started on the Night Manager and probably finished on the Night Manager by the end of today. She's really enjoying it. You didn't say that last time. No, I didn't, but I thought of it. So I watched the last 15 minutes of episode two. It's it's really good. I think you'd really, really enjoy it. I did. On the list. Yep. Oh, excuse me. Uh, let's see. Have I done anything else? Probably not. Um, I watched Werner Herzog complain about chickens, and it kind of made my day. <laughs> he showed me that last night, and that's it's good, it's fucking good weird. Oh, I do have one other thing, actually. Uh, have you heard the song? Oh, it's a good thing we reset. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard the song Dinosaurs in Love? No. <laughs> it's, I, I'm a big fan of uh, creators who are parents having their small children just do creative things because they're the children of creative parents, and then sharing the good ones with the world uh-huh. so uh um the the good the first example that comes to mind is the there's an issue i guess maybe not an issue there's a there's a story at the end of hellboy in hell which is like the final volume of the main hellboy story arc mm-hmm. that was has co-write co-writer credit for his seven-year-old daughter because she basically just wrote this story like told him this story oh, on the right, way to school yeah. one day and he wrote it down and like it actually kind of works with the mythology, and it yeah. all comes to a point. It's 
it's very interesting and um, oh. very cool. Um, so I heard this this song by Fen Rosenthal, who is the daughter of Tom Rosenthal, who's a I guess fairly famous singer songwriter I've never heard of. I've never heard of him. Um, and she wrote a song called Dinosaurs in Love. She's like three. Do you want to hear this real quick? It's I'll hear this real quick. It's it's really nice. Wait. <laughs> I actually have a lump in my throat. I know. That is fucking adorable. <laughs> really sad that she was just like, they were in love. And then they died. But they were in love. <laughs> But they didn't say goodbye. <laughs> they didn't say, they goodbye. didn't say goodbye. Oh, God. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's an emotional journey for a one-minute song written by a three-year-old. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, what a thing. Um, Well, that didn't happen last time. Nope. Also, you know what I just realized? is The, the, the teaser for this one about the flip-flops on your fucking mic stand. Ha! No longer makes no sense. No longer makes sense. <laughs> It. All right, we got to redo the bit. Nope, we're not doing the bit. Nope, not happening. Oh. They're just gonna wonder forever what that was about. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I haven't been up to anything. I read a couple more issues of Wonder Woman. Um, Didn't you just say you had only one issue left? I did. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> the dead audio stopped working, and we had we're having to redo like the first half of it. <laughs> uh yeah no i thought i had one issue left but i was only about halfway through so uh you and i have been kind of doing the same thing where at the end of every, like, every night we try to read one issue mm-hmm. um i i've made the mistake of just reading the same character constantly mm-hmm. and i get fatigued of that character um people who might remember back with uh, when i was reading new teen titans i was reading new 52 stuff in between just to kind of keep it fresh mm-hmm. um i didn't do that with wonder woman and i'm getting kind of like tired it's uh, it's not that I'm getting tired of Wonder Woman. It's not that I'm getting tired of the story. I, I'm getting tired of, like, the same type of storytelling. Right. a little bit of diversity. Mm-hmm. You don't want to watch the same, like... If you sat there and tried to watch all of Yorgos Lanthimos's oh, movies God. in a weekend, for one thing, like, you'd be clawing your eyes out by the end. But for another thing, you'd be... Wa- you'd... You would probably walk off a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> A better example, if you tried to, <laughs> like, if you tried to sit and watch all of Christopher Nolan's movies in a weekend, every single one of his movies, with the exception of Interstellar, is really good. Yeah. Um, but you'd get you'd get a little, a little tired of the style, a little fatigued. Yeah. You'd want to mix it up and throw right. in some some I don't know. Yorgos Lanthimos. Watching all of the Lord of the Rings at one in one sitting is a bit of a. It can be a chore. Bit yeah. of a chore. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. I'm getting close, but. Uh, it was just one issue, but last night I read one issue and I couldn't put it down. So, um, nice. almost done. Uh, I've got some other stuff that your stuff. 
coming up that hopefully I'll be reading at some point. Yep. Um, other than that, we watched Birds of Prey. We did. Uh, we talked about it a little bit extensively last time we recorded this. Uh, I don't want to do that again. Yep. Just go listen to our review. We liked it. It's a it's a fun movie. Matt says it's a little bit above Aquaman. I say it's about on par with Aquaman. Not something we're gonna go like actively try to watch, but if it comes on free, fuck yeah. Let's do it. Um News, real quick. News. Uh Razzie nominations are out. Yep. Uh we talked about how Joker got a nominee for Razzie and Oscar. Uh Joker got a nomination for like the most uh like public destruction and disregard for human life. Yep. Like hilarious. Also nominated up there with Hellboy, which took Hellboy him a few was, nominations. Hellboy got a, nomina- a lot of nominations. Um, uh, Cats. Cats got eight, as long as well as Rambo: Last Blood and a Medea Family Funeral. Yep. Um, like, we all saw that coming with Medea. Those ones, yeah, they kind of just make razz. It's not. It's aimed at a, just a different audience. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. So, so bad movies are bad. Good movies are good. Adam Sandler won at the Film Independent Spirit Awards for his good movie this year, mm-hmm. Uncut Gems. We um, had a fun little discussion about how difference between Vice and uh, Oscars is the kind of the audience it's directed at. Vice is a bit more like artsy for a niche market. Oscars is a bit broader, still kind of artsy. It's yeah, I can't remember the exact phrase I put on it, but um, uh, the uh, it's kind of the intersection between high highest quality and broadest appeal. Yeah, is Oscar movies, um, film independent spirit and those kinds of things are not. They're they have no interest in broad appeal for broad appeal's sake. Yeah, they have a whole bunch of fringe artists. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Douglas died. Kirk Douglas died. We talked about that. Didn't We're sad about alive. it. Forgot he was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What else happened? Uh, Doctor Strange 2 is having some behind-the-scenes trouble. Director Scott Derrickson has officially dropped out. Sam Raimi is in talks to get on board. I don't know how that'll play out. Because um, he... I guess it would have been with a different studio, but he probably has some lingering resentful feelings about the treatment of his spider-mans yeah uh the the behind the scenes we did an episode early on about kind of the behind the scenes of what would have happened with the spider-man 4 and what went wrong so i think this is actually really good i don't think he has resent i think he has resentment for the way sony because that's sony that was sony yeah disney um i think his his experience with like studio oversight was with sony and but he i think it's a pretty renowned like hollywood like known fact that marvel has a very good balance of studio oversight with creative vision right uh they will let you do it they let you fucking look at ragnarok yeah taika did what he wanted to do yep and he got what he needed accomplished yeah um who did dark world (laughs) (laughs) uh Someone who didn't do any other movies in the MCU. McG. McG. I don't know. I'm actually gonna look it up. Pitoff. No, Pitoff. not Pitoff. That's who did Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, Dark World. Hurry up! Hurry up! Hurry um, up, clicking up, buttons and up, going. Up, Alan Taylor. Yeah, someone who didn't do any other movies because it was bad. Um, so that, that I mean, I guess the thing is like studio. That oversight. is not true. He did Terminator Genisys, which was also bad. And also, like, after that, hey, he directed a few episodes of The Sopranos. Oh. And Mad Men. Which is bad. 
Um, <laughs> um, so his style is not superhero. It's not like action. No, his style is drama. Um, but yeah, no. So uh, I think we're gonna. I think Sam Sam Raimi's coming in. We're gonna get a good movie because I mean he does horror. He does good like fun horror. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his. That's his route. Um, yeah. So I think we're gonna get some fun. Um, fun stuff. But the real question, will Doctor Strange be recast as Bruce Campbell? (laughs) Doctor Stranger. (laughs) Who do you think Bruce Campbell could be? We don't know Doctor Strange very well. No, I don't don't know, like, any of his characters. Uh, He probably would have been a good Dormammu. (laughs) Slap some motion-captured bullets on him and... (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Bullets? That's not what those are called. Just dots. Dots, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well... Anyway, anyway, that'll be fun. He could be the ancient one. He could, he could do like the the fifties eye makeup to make him look Asian. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> like Mickey Rooney in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh boy. Uh, so that happened. Uh, I don't think anything else happened. Uh, Knives Out oh, Two will not be a direct sequel to the first. It will be sort of a similar tone, and it will follow Daniel Craig's detective character. <laughs> Knives Out Two. <laughs> But did he really die? <laughs> That's the thing. They're trying to figure out if he actually died. How did it really happen? Every single time it's like, we figured it out. And then the next movie's like, but did we, though? And it's always mm. the same answer at the very end of every single one. It's like, no, nah, we were right. It's just confirmation of what, I, of what we figured out the first time. No, I'm, I'm excited to see him uh, expand use the same character to expand in a different direction. I like I like Ryan Johnson. I've liked everything I've seen of his. Fight me. That Last was... Jedi is good. Oh yeah, yeah, I thought you were like saying it to me and I'm like I I also really like Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I think I, I I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited to see what sort of pastry he unravels this time. I forgot we were going to do a villain showcase episode. Oh yeah. I forgot what that means. Well, we just do an episode where we talk about the villain. Because we always talk about the heroes. We never talk about the villain. Mm-hmm. Let's forget about the villain. Some of the villains have really interesting storylines. And we're going to do a vir- villain showcase after you read the Batman Eternal. Because there's a certain villain that I want to do a showcase on. Okay. And you need to read fucking Batman Eternal. All right, I'm trying to get you. All right, <laughs> settle down there. Finish. Buster, you don't get your panties in a while. Buster? Yeah. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, that would be cool. It'd, yeah. All right, uh, that's yeah, that's that's what I got for news. All right, Matt. All right, Preston. Hey, Matt. Hey, Preston. Happy fucking birthday. Hey, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Today's actually his birthday. We're actually recording on his birthday. Yeah, Fun February. Fact, we get to ninth. record it twice because we get to record it. Yay! <laughs> and, and as we mentioned before, uh, Matt and I are exactly two months apart or two weeks apart. Yep. Um, the nature of that is our birthdays always fall on the same day. Yep. This year, our birthdays happen to fall on the day that an episode's releasing. Yay! So what we decided to do is to have an episode, each of all on our birthdays, that's our our episode, and we talk about our favorite movies. We talk a lot about like what we like in movies, like in reviews, and like things that stick mm-hmm. out to us and stuff. But up until well, you, up until still, and me up until recently, we never really kind of pinpointed what what our buttons are mm-hmm. of what, like what makes us like a movie. Um, there are trends. We kind of, I've noticed some trends of my own mm-hmm. um, and stuff. Uh, so what we're probably going to, what we're, what we're going to do for these two episodes, uh, mine is in two weeks mm-hmm. after the next episode will be mine. We're going to talk about our favorite movies. Mm-hmm. 
and talk about why we like those movies. And for Matt, at least, hopefully by the end of it, we'll have kind of criteria. We'll have a rubric that you can sit down in every movie and like grade. All right. What is a, yeah? You can you watch a, a movie. Number of how much you like the movie. Basically, my goal is to the end of the, by the end of this episode to have everyone who listens to this episode be so good at understanding why I like movies that I don't have to watch movies anymore. People could just watch them for me and tell me them tell me how I feel about them. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the dream? That would be great. That'd be the worst. Uh, no, that'd be so horrible. I don't think I want to do that. No. <laughs> I, so Matt. So Preston. What do you like? I like good movies. I think. That's the <laughs> great. <laughs> like people have asked me before, so what kind of movies do you like? And I kind of just say good movies because mm-hmm. I will. I say the same thing. I will like anything in any genre as long as it's good. Um, within that, I'm I'm sure I do have some certain biases, and I think we're gonna try to dig into those. Yeah. So when people ask me what my favorite movies are, I have. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> people ask me what my favorite movies are, I have a definitive top three in order, and then probably like a solid 15 beyond that that are like top tier. There was a weird dingy noise. My dad's phone's oh. over there. And, it's and then dinging. probably like a solid 50 beyond that that are like just under that top tier. Mm. Uh, so those very top three, uh, number three, Dark Knight, number two, La La Land, and number one, Children of Men. Very different movies. Yeah. Good luck finding the through line in those three. <laughs> All right. So Dark Knight. I'm actually kind of surprised that Dark Knight's up there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... Uh, it's Part of the problem is I watched it. That was one of the first, like, movie experiences where I was like, this is a good movie mm-hmm. for reasons I can identify. And so it's there, there's a bit of, like, a nostalgia and built-in. I liked this when I was young and when I was kind of coming of age as a movie watcher. Yeah. So. Um. So obviously I know what Dark Knight is. Mm-hmm. I obviously know what La La Land is. I almost said No Country for Old Men. Not that. I um, do like that one quite a bit. We'll um, probably get to it. Children of Men. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Remind me a bit of. I know that's the one that like I caught the dog poster uh-huh. thing that you didn't catch. So there's uh the basic premise is it's 18 years in the future. Uh, women have lost the ability to bear children. And so there have been no children born. The youngest person in the world is just over 18 years old. Right. Um, and without giving away much of the plot, um, basically there's a guy who used to be like a, an environmental activist and he's just gotten burned out and cynical because the world's kind of fallen down around him and he's lost hope. Um, and then a former girlfriend who was also an activist contacts him asking for help. Um, and the, plot kind of develops from there so one thing i notice among the three of them is that when you're the watching the movie you don't really know how it's going to end mm-hmm. the thing uh, so you could say so la la land you don't know how like that relationship you uh, right. it could it could be happy happily ever after yeah but you don't know right kind of throughout unless uh, you've seen umbrellas once you get to that board. climactic like the argument scene you're yeah. like mm, Mm-hmm. Um, no country old men. Not the movie Not, you're God, talking fuck about. The, the children of men. Uh, no country old men. Uh, none of them. None of them country old men people. Yep. Um, I just like movies with men in the title. <laughs> Twelve Angry Men. It's up there. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Dark Knight, or so uh, with uh, Children of Men. 
you don't know where it's all going to end up. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of like a like him just kind of wandering and trying to get elsewhere, isn't it? Trying to get out. Is he? Is there a kid involved? Okay, I'm gonna give away the one like plot detail. It's early. Um, he yeah the he's enlisted to help transport a pregnant uh the only right. first pregnant woman in 18 years to a place where they might be able to. Um, keep her safe and do research to figure out why she's miraculously able to have a kid. Yeah. Hopefully replicate it. Um, so yeah, you, it's you don't know the you don't you're not you don't know the end result of that. Okay. Um, and then for Dark Knight, just the pure chaos of Joker. Mm-hmm. You don't know where anything is gonna be the next day. Okay. I I do kind of buy it. Uh, I think tension is really definitely one of my buttons. Yeah. And that comes in a lot of different forms. So these ones, it's all like narrative tension. You don't know exactly how the plots can unravel. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that does pop up. There's other movies on here. Loveless is one I talk about a lot. That's one where you don't know how it's going to end. It's a, it's a couple that's going through just an absolutely vicious divorce, like much worse than marriage story, I'm sure. Uh And their kid who's like 11 or 12 goes missing. He runs away. Um, and you don't know whether he's going to turn up okay or not. You don't know if this um, is going to force some sort of reconciliation between them. Spoiler, it's totally not. They're just like, they hate each other. It's mm. ugly. Um, and y- you don't know. That provides the tension, um, even though it's a really small sta- small scale, low stakes kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the music like in Children of Men? It's good, but not so good that I've bought the soundtrack. Okay. Um, so it's not that well music I think does play yeah music definitely plays a role because I mean La La Land Dark Knight Knight. Inception is definitely helped by the music Um, I love me some Hans Zimmer Um, I mean I like anything John Williams does but the the types of movies John Williams does the music for are the types of movies that I like a lot but don't necessarily crack my all time Mm -hmm. favorites lists Um, I just I made kind of a quick list of like I don't know 60 or 70 movies that are just like really really like and there's maybe one or two on here that are john williams yeah um um to reflect mine one of my categories Mm -hmm. um there's an element of dread in all of this like the joker just kind of like yeah the whole gotham is just kind of like fuck yep with with this guy mm-hmm. um in la la land like once it starts to kind of like it like it feels like something's gonna go wrong the whole time mm-hmm. um and then things kind of do um spoiler mm-hmm. and then like children of men it's like it's a really fragile situation yeah like you're you've got a little bit of hope and you've pinned so much on this mm-hmm. little bit of hope that the the mere fragility of it the fact that like one bullet and it's all over yeah it's you're you're really on the edge of your seat you're like anything could go wrong at any moment and Mm -hmm. then of course because plot happens things do start spiraling out of control a little bit um yeah i think i think there's a good argument there um i again i think that just kind of circles back to tension though yeah like something that you don't know what's going to happen or even if you do like dunkirk you kind of know how it's going to end yeah but that's a really tense movie, and so that's one that's stuck with me better yeah. than a lot of them. So, all right, I think I think we've found one through line right there. It's tension. Uh, three dimensional characters. Okay. Um, 
very much with La La Land. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not three-dimensional characters, but the characters that you, the their personality is very clearly defined. Mm-hmm. There's not like uh, you c- characters, not plot devices. Characters, not plot devices. Exactly. Uh, with like with Batman, you fucking know. You know his conflict, and you, like, everyone understands, like, why doesn't he just kill Joker? Everyone understands mm-hmm. that. That's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, he does everything he can. He is willing to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. uh, and, like, out himself as Batman if it means saving people like Harvey Dent. Right. Like, just stuff like this. Just he, He's this insanely self-sacrificial person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joker is just fucking chaos mm-hmm. for the sake of chaos. Um, that's that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chaos for the sake of uh, chaos for the sake of chaos, because fun for the sake of fun, you just fucking go to a roller coaster. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, with uh, La La Land, you understand both of their perspectives incredibly well. Right. Uh, and you understand why that conflict is there between the two of them, mm-hmm. um, and why it ends up the way it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with uh, I keep wanting to say No Country. It's Twelve Angry Men. Twelve angry the, with thirteen <laughs> angry men, uh, the you you understand why everyone's where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I remember, I haven't seen. I, yeah. I can't really speak yeah. to every every character feels like a real fleshed out person with individual motivations, and then some of them go through arcs, and some of them they just they stick to their defined lane because they're more of a minor character. Yeah. Um, because if we compare, uh the other uh other batmans to dark knight um rachel ghoul is really just kind of a plot device early on yeah he's there to just kind of be the big guy at the end is his whole thing doesn't particularly make sense Mm -hmm. um and uh in rises talia ghoul or what's her name? The yeah. What's her? Um, oh. Um, what do they call her? Mm. I haven't seen it since like I really got into comics. I I don't know. I can't remember her name. But she. That's uh. That's telling right there. Yeah. Um. She doesn't particularly have. In depth. Right. She kind of she loves Bane or something. I don't. It's yeah. There's there's not a whole lot of character there. And part of the problem is they were just trying to build her into a plot twist, basically. Yeah. yeah. She was a means to an end rather than um, an actual character. Yeah, I I think I agree. I think looking at this list, there's a lot of good characters. Um, Not a lot of movies without good characters. So, uh, well, Dunkirk, Black Hawk Down. um, Those are not character movies at all. Well, but that's by the they're not like in the top. I mean, Dunkirk is it's not like a top three movie yeah. for me, but it might be a top twenty five. Yeah, but like that's that's because it probably satisfies all your other criteria, but just one of them does not. Like okay. it doesn't do one of them. That's why I have things that are like my tens mm-hmm. are my tens, and then like the nines are the ones that just almost get there. Okay, so I need character to be a ten star movie. All right. Well, no, it's not that you need character. It's Character is one of the things that you need. A 10-star movie needs to check all of the boxes. Okay. And that's right. one of the boxes. So some of your, like, sevens might have character, but <coughs> I'm missing the tension. Right, right, right. And stuff like that. 
right. Um, I did think of one other thing when I was thinking through these movies, putting the list together earlier. Um, the ending of all three of these kind of feels the same. It's sort of a bittersweet. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to have to spoil all three of these movies a little bit here. So spoilers for children of men, spoilers for La La Land, spoilers for the dark Knight. which you've seen the dark Knight. You've seen it several times. (laughs) We know who you are. Uh, so the dark Knight, it's, it ends on kind of a grim note. Like the Joker basically wins. Yeah. He turns Harvey Dent and Batman is, it, it doesn't end up like, I don't know. He doesn't kill him, but he carries out actions which inevitably lead to his death um yeah so it's a it's kind of a grim ending but then there's the whole optimistic like batman is willing to sacrifice his own image to save harvey and basically miranda tate that's right i did that was that that little nugget was lodged somewhere in the back of my brain miranda tate um not titty (laughs) put umlauts over the a for some reason yeah, no, that's just Miranda Tate's not a fucking real person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then the, Jim Gordon gives that nice speech at the end. He's like, he's the he's the he's not the hero Gotham deserves. He's the hero Gotham deserves, deserves but not the one that needs right now. He's a silent protector, watchful guardian, Dark Knight. Um, it's yeah, it's it's an optimistic, it's an optimistic moment thematically, but the story came to kind of a not ambiguous necessarily, but a conclusion where it's not like the good guys win, the bad guys lose. Yeah. Everything wraps up. It's also not like the bad guys win, the good guys lose. How'd you feel about the ending of Midsummer? It was a little too optimistic for me. Too optimistic? Yeah. Are you kidding me? She's happy now. She is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the all the douchebags got their comeuppance. <laughs> all right, you're a bit of a sociopath, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> you're just now realizing this. <laughs> For people who haven't seen Midsummer, you need to fucking see Midsummer to understand why that was just an exchange. Uh, yeah. Also, don't see Midsummer if you don't like gore. True. Or feeling just really uncomfortable while watching movies. Dude, that fucking flower that was pulsing made me almost vomit. That <laughs> was, yeah. That was the day I had my, I think it was a migraine. That was, oh, no. That was a little, I was like, I may have to pause this movie and go puke real quick. <laughs> but I'll come back and I'll re- re- pick it back up there because it's good. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Anyway, uh, La La Land. Again, like, it's kind of an ambiguous bittersweet kind of ending like they both sort of get their dream they're at their dream place they're not together though and it does such a good job with like that fantasy sequence at the end like in an ideal world where we wrote the story for this to be a happy happily ever after hollywood story it could have looked like this and so they they sort of they really punch the bitter part there to contrast with the the sweet it like so the, the cursor runs mm-hmm. along the screen, and then when it gets to the end of the screen, it starts back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I usually see it when it's about halfway, but it had just restarted, so I saw a blank screen. Oh. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> I thought I just got rid of everything, and I was like, fuck it. Yep. We're done. Yep. Um, like, yeah, so I think I think La La Land fits that. Um, Children of Men, I think it does kind of the same thing. Like, 
the entire movie is very bleak and like humanity has lost hope and we're it's basically just we're tearing ourselves apart because we're on our last leg yeah um and then they give this one spark of hope and uh it's it's enough like they win through at the end of the day he gets her to safety he dies doing so but it's also again it's still just like such a fragile situation it's it's uplifting but at heavy cost yeah i think i think that's probably a better way to do it uplifting at heavy cost yeah and i think i actually know where that comes from one of the first movies that made a big impression on me was gladiator Hmm. that was the first r-rated movie my parents let me watch it's uh it's good it's still russell crowe isn't it yeah it uh won best picture in 2000 which is more testament to how uh not great the state of the movie industry was at the start of the 2000s than it being Isn't that great the movie. Strike? no that was like 2009 oh. maybe because that that killed quantum of solace oh um, also no dark knight rises is right at the end of it 2012 yeah yeah i mean i don't know exactly how that we should do an episode at some point just on that yeah we should do an episode i'll i'll do the episode on that so i can like do it in my way of like explaining you know how like explain yeah that's just this fun like <laughs> fun way of just like making a joke of the whole thing yeah but yeah. i like i want to know the story yeah so I'll do an episode we'll, we'll do that at some point um yeah no gladiator it it made an impression on me because um i guess my dad probably saw it not right when it came out but not long after um and he got the the soundtrack on cd and that was the first movie soundtrack i'd ever listened to separate from the movie before i even saw the movie um and that's early Hans zimmer mm-hmm. and it's really good stuff like um he's got the it uses a lot of like sort of appropriate not period instruments necessarily but sort of instruments that capture the feeling so he's yeah. got like a duduk and stuff like that a duduk. um and there's like a the ten minute battle track for the the scene at the beginning is all based around Mars. Yeah, it quotes it explicitly in a couple points, and then just kind of uses sort of the rhythms and the mm-hmm. motifs. It's it's a really cool piece. It's a it's a great score. Um, and so that movie, when I first actually saw it, that was one where I was going in with super high expectations, and it was met just because, like, I hadn't seen many movies that were very quality at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's a good story. It's well told. It's got good action, good acting. Um, and it comes to kind of that bittersweet, uplifting, but at heavy cost ending. Yeah. Spoilers for Gladiator. He dies at the end. Oh, shit. I mean. Are you sure? It's not like a. It's a new movie. It's literally two, 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he dies at the end, but his death, um, kind of sparks good changes and they do it in such a way that. Um, you, you you feel like the thematic uplift while you feel the narrative cost, mm-hmm. I guess. That's that's maybe a good way to think of it. Yeah, and I think I think probably flipping through, just looking at some of these other ones. Uh, Quiet Place kind of fits that bill. Yeah. Um, Train to Busan a little bit. Uh, Arrival, you could argue. Um. How is that? She figures out how oh, to. She figures out that yeah. And then, even though she knows what's going to happen, she decides to have the kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's like it's uplifting. Yay, they survive, they win, but, like, there's still that. 
it's more uplifting i think than these but there's still that bittersweet like you know what's going to happen next and yeah just the way it tells the story um wind river that's one i don't talk about enough on here that's another one i think that kind of fits that bill so it's it's a really depressing movie it's uh it's it's set on a native american reservation in wyoming and a young native american girl gets murdered um and jeremy renner is kind of the local law enforcement guy i don't remember if he's like a sheriff or a policeman or whatever mm-hmm. um and elizabeth olsen is the young fbi agent who's tasked to come in and he kind of has to take her un- take her under his wing because she's a city cop who doesn't know what she's doing in rural wyoming in the middle of winter yeah um and so it's them it's basically just a you know kind of a crime drama they're trying to unravel the mystery who killed her why did they kill her uh, is he going to strike again? What's going on? Um, and the ending is, I think it's more of a downer than any of these that I've mentioned so far. It's got kind of that uplift, but it's got a scene just at the very end um, that just cuts so deep emotionally. Hmm. Um, Gil Birmingham. Let me just let me just say that he's a. He's the actor who always gets typecast as just, like, the Native American guy and stuff. Mm. Such a good actor, though. So, yeah, he's he's good. Um, I think th- I think that's another thing. I, I need me some emotions. I'm like you in that respect. Yeah. I, I ain't to- crying. I ain't liking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause, uh, chill- I ain't crying. I ain't trying to see it again. There you, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> just like the really stupid to see it again at the end. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I mean, going back to my big three here, Dark Knight, it's got some real powerful emotional moments here. Uh, Rachel gets blown up, like, mid-sentence. Oh, yeah. That's a gut punch. Batman, like, she leaves the letter for him, and Michael Caine has to burn it. Yeah. And then... Michael Caine. Yep. Um, just the, the, the music when Harvey has Jim Gordon's family hostage at the end... Mm. Sort of that slow building strings thing. Oof. It's less so, I think, than a lot of the other stuff that I'd count among my favorites, but it's got yeah. some real emotions to it. Um, more than a lot of superhero movies. Um, Logan would be an exception. That's one that's got some real emotions to it. That's yeah. one I really liked. Uh, La La Land. <laughs> that doesn't have any emotional impact. None I wasn't whatsoever. actually crying at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You... We sat Emily Campus down and had her watch that. Uh-huh. She was hysterical. <laughs> like, it took her 10 minutes to stop bawling. That <laughs> Just, makes sense. Why would they do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's so mean. <laughs> Just... Uh, that's how that movie makes you feel just yeah. all that movie is really it's calculated just to like every moment it's getting you with some sort of emotion yeah either it's um it's kind of it's the loneliness the someone in the crowd song at the beginning or um the the happiness sort of the summer montage or the 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 fight scene yep which I guess calling it a fight scene argument. is a little misleading. The argument scene, that's the word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the argument scene, that's uh, that's real and raw. And then the, the whole fantasy sequence leading up to, boom, not actually. That's not actually how the story ends. I'm just remembering the fucking marriage story argument scene. Oh. God, you need to see marriage story. I know, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i work on it. I'll, I'll get to it. And then uh, Children of Men, also, it's got, like, the, the ending is emotional, and it's got some good emotional moments early like uh when he first realizes she's pregnant and he his friend gets killed 
but Children of Men has like the all time emotional scene. I think Cinefix had it number one on their most emotional scenes of all time, and that's the ceasefire moment. Oh, oh man, that was a good one. Oh, that is just something else. I vaguely remember it, <laughs> but I remember it being like that was really fucking cool. That's just yeah. I'll so. Children of Men also had the one that is like the long take. It has several good long takes. Yeah. yeah, it's got the one in the car that's like four minutes and got a lot of action. Yeah, um, it's got one during like leading up to the ceasefire scene that actually does have a couple of hidden cuts, but it looks like it goes for like eight or nine minutes. Can you um, like track through the building? Yeah, uh, it starts outside and then tracks in. Yeah, and yeah, but oh, the the ceasefire moment is just like chills just thinking about it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, do you, this is interesting. I don't know. I don't know if you know this. Do you know what I think is the best movie of all time? I'll give you a hint. It's not one of those three. Best movie of all time. Mm, give me another hint. Uh, it's older. It's from the '80s. Have I seen it? I think so. No. <laughs> I like that one. It's fun. Ooh, what's the best impression of a Godzilla movie? Star- and you think I've seen it. I'm pretty sure you've seen it. It seems like the sort of thing you would have seen. It's not Star Wars, is it? No, it's it's not blockbuster. It's drama. Ah. Period piece? Period piece from the 80s. Ah. Got a lot of music in it. Not a musical, though. Damn it. I was going to say that here. <laughs> that's not, it's not from the, the 80s. 80s. It's they from like the fucking 1880s. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, the movie was made in the 80s. The story is set much before the 80s. Uh, it's got a lot. You said it's got a lot of music in it. Yes, but it is not a musical. Uh, is it about music? In a sense, it's about musicians. Amadeus. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, God, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have seen it, but uh, fucking it was forever ago. Yeah. I saw it in school. That's the best movie ever made. How, how so? So, for one thing, it's got a really cool structure where it goes from basically comedy to tragedy over the course of, like, a three-hour movie, which director's cut's three hours. Director's cut's the way to go on that one. Let's, let's be honest here. Um, release the Snyder Cut. Fucking don't. Please don't. Don't need that in our lives. More. No. Um, I liked Watchmen. Man of Steel was not bad, but I'm I'm not a Zack Snyder. Three hundred is good. Three hundred's a lot of fun. I like three hundred. I'm gonna go back and watch that again. Yeah. There's a second one. I know. <laughs> I always forget I always about forget that. that that came out. <laughs> it had Eva Green in it. Who? Uh, uh, what's her face? The the Bond girl from the Casino Royale. I haven't seen Casino Royale. You haven't seen Casino Royale, dude. Dude, we got. I'm not a James Bond person. We got to catch up on at least There's the Craig ones. There's a reason that they're actively trying to get me to watch. We got to. We got to catch up on the Craig ones before No Time to Die, because okay. Casino Royale is great. Okay. I think you'd like it. Because I watched the I watched all the Sean Connery ones a while ago. Okay. Those are the only ones. I think I need to. I need to watch the Pierce Brosnan ones. Those have been good ones. Good ones are Connery and Craig, with a couple others interspersed. Okay. 
couple of the Brosnans are supposed to be good. I'm, yeah, that's I don't. I don't think I've seen any of the any of the Brosnans actually. Was it like the um, one in Russia though, like the like uh, in lo- love with Russian or whatever, like from Russia from with Russia love. With love. Isn't that Connery? Maybe I saw that one. I don't know. Doctor No, I know it's like the second one. First one. That's the first one. Okay, I thought the first one was just James Bond. Okay. Nope. But I knew Doctor No. I knew Gold Member, or Gold Finger. Gold Finger. <laughs> Austin Powers. You tried. Fuck you, Austin Powers. <laughs> uh, and I watched. He has two other ones, doesn't he? Connery. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got more than that. Oh, maybe I haven't seen them all. Thunderball, I think, is one of his. I may have seen. That. I don't fucking know. I don't know. It was forever ago. It was when I was still in the apartment, so that was long enough. Mm. Long enough to go that I don't fucking remember. Um. Anyway, how do how did we get from Amadeus to um to Doctor No? Director, uh, director's cut to three hundred to Eva, Eva Green, Green to James Bond. There it is. Okay. Right. Back uh, to back, back to, to <laughs> old Mozart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I it's mean Amadeus, the movie about the musician Billy Eilish. <laughs> That's our joke and trivia night. Oh yeah, that was um one of the trivia questions uh this week was. Who what was who's the musician that Amadeus was about? Salieri. You'd be surprised how many people didn't get it. Because people don't know Mozart's first name. It's about Salieri. Huh? It's about Salieri. I mean, it's about a fictional portrayal of Salieri. It's not historically accurate in the slightest. What is it about Mozart? Well, I mean, yeah, Mozart's in it, but like Salieri's the main character. Oh. <laughs> it's told from his perspective. Oh. What's the one? Is it? There's a clip that I saw where it's like a really young, I think it was Mozart, and he sat down at piano. I think it was, wasn't it Amadeus where Probably. he played Salieri's piece, and then he was like, oh, you should have done this with it. And, he yeah. played thing, and everyone was like, oh, yeah. And Salieri was like, fuck you. Yeah, that's from the comedy half of the movie. <laughs> okay, good. Because <laughs> there's, it's basically just iconic scene after iconic scene. So hmm. there's there's that one, and there's um the... The the one that gets parodied a lot where Salieri first hears Mozart's music. Um he's like he's just at a party and Mozart kind of runs around being a goofball and um Salieri it, it, Mozart's supposed to perform some music and then they start the music without him because he's just running around being a goofball because that's his character in this. Uh-huh. Um and he, he like basically just puts on his game face and goes out and hops in and conducts it. And Salieri, it's just, you see, like, this clarity come into his face. Um, he's played by uh, F. Murray Abram, who's he, he's a good character actor. You'd probably recognize him, but mm-hmm. he's not, like, a leading guy in anything, really. And just this, this look comes into his face, and he goes over afterwards and just looks at the score. And, like, he, like the music starts playing in his head, and he's, like, conducting along, and, like, tears come to his eyes. He's... It, it's an astounding moment, and the whole the whole way the story is done is just because it's this character, Salieri, who is a talented and good composer, and he's kind of just at the point where he realizes how good Mozart really is, hmm. like how much above him he is, and it tur- it turns him really bitter. But there are a couple of moments where just his creative awe shines through, and it's astounding. Um, and the best of those is the deathbed scene, the where Mozart is like basically collapsed and Salieri's kind of trying to kill him by forcing him to work on his own requiem 
which then he's going to steal and perform at his funeral. That's kind of the whole plot. It's not historically accurate. Uh, Mozart and Salieri were friendly rivals Mm -hmm. in real life. Mozart was not a goofball. He was basically a normal guy with a sense of humor. And he was like a kid. Not his entire life, no. He was the one that died when he was like 21. I don't know any famous composers who died when they were 21. Mozart died at like 35. Schubert died at about 30. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's a lot of... The the problem is Mozart burst onto the scene when he was still a kid. And so we have a lot of correspondences from when he was like 16. Yeah. Which, imagine if we had all of your texts from when you were 16 and published those and said, this is emblematic of who Preston is as a person. There's one text from when I was 15 where I know I called my mom a bitch and I fucking regret that text. Like, I, mm-hmm. I know who I sent it to. I know what happened that night, but I fucking, like, I'm so close to my mom now. Just I mm-hmm. constantly remember sending that text, and I hate it. Yeah. it's That's a fun, like, little tiny thing that's in my brain all the time, is I called my mom a bitch one time, and I fucking hate myself. <laughs> never call your mom a Never call a woman a bitch, but never call your mom a bitch. Respect yeah, your no, parents, fuckers. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, imagine, imagine your legacy were, like, that of Mozart's, where everyone's like, oh, this is who he was as a person. He hated his mother. He was a bad person. He was immature. It's like, no, it's, it's not really how it worked. He's kind of just a normal dude with a sense of humor and immense creative talent. Um, but no, yeah, the, uh, the, the only thing I'm getting from like a young composer that died young was Mozart at 35. I mean, Schubert died younger, 31, I want to say. No one gives a shit about Schubert, though, because no one – what's his first name? Franz. No one made a movie called Franz. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I know I know a lot of serious music people that say Schubert's the best composer ever, and I know a lot of serious pe- music people that would be just so wrong about that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, that's got some opinions. It's, I, I don't, I don't get it. I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to talk about the deathbed scene. So, the uh, the second half of the movie where it turns tragedy is Salieri hatches this plot to basically get Mozart to work himself to death and scare him by dressing up as his own father. It's not as strange as it sounds. It all makes sense in the movie. Um, and commission him to write his own requiem under the guy. Well, commission him to write a requiem that's sort of nominally for his father, but it's going to be for Mozart and Mozart's going to die. And so he's going to steal the requiem and play it at his funeral and finally be recognized as a composer on par with Mozart because Mozart is the genius who burst on the scene and stole all his thunder. What a dick. Yeah. And it makes very little sense when you say it out loud like that, but it all works just fine in the movie more than just fine. I'd say. And so the kind of the culmination of that is Mozart's wife and child have left him at least temporarily because he's basically uh, drinking all the time and falling into just not a depression necessarily, but, just a lot of unhealthy habits and um, kind of being self-destructive. Yeah. Um, Cause the, the image of his father is haunting him basically. And, yeah. Um, and so Salieri, uh, he basically collapses and Salieri takes him home. He collapses at the opera and Salieri takes him home and says, all right, we, we got to finish this, this requiem. Um, and he basically, uh, he makes up like some of his friends from the opera come and knock on the door and they're like, Hey, is he okay? Here's, here's his payment for tonight. And so he's like, I'll, I'll get it to him. He's resting, takes it into him. And it's like the guy with the mask came and he said, here, here's some money. Here's another advance. This needs to be finished. 
and Mozart's like, oh, okay, we need to work on it. Sorry, he does the reverse psychology thing. He's like, no, 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 you need to rest. And Mozart's like, no, 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 we've got to work on this right now. And mm-hmm. I can't do it myself. Can you help me? And Sorry gets out the staff paper, and and Mozart just starts dictating him to him the um, uh, the Confutatus Maledictus from the Requiem. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna play that for you real quick, just oh so boy. you can have an image in your head because. This scene is just, it's too much. It's too much. Too much. Um, Where is it? I have a huge library of music. Mm -hmm. Moron, Mozart, Mozart Requiem. Uh, Rexchimende Confutatus. I heard something about cheese. Let it play about 15 seconds and then I'm just going to pause it. Kind of that first phrase. We're going to get fucking copyright infringement for this. Mozart's going to come from the grave and sue us. Pretty sure the public don't that would be That would be like my favorite thing ever if that happened. Yeah. That would be so cool. It's also massively 60 years over the uh, past two years. Yeah. The composer's death. So little, little bit. Definitely public domain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Is it 60 now? So he starts he starts dictating it to him and Salieri again he's good enough that he understands what's going on like he he gets it musically but it's the sort of thing where he understands it but he couldn't come up with it himself and so he does like sort of the Mozart kind of does the main structure the confutatus maledictus and the, like the brass kind of doubling it and then puts the strings around it and Salieri's just like oh this is so good and then what and then what and then what and Mozart says and now vocame. Quiet it down. Hmm. String, little scale there. And Salieri's, just, you see his mind getting blown. And it's, and Mozart is like dying while he's writing this. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, it's an, it's an incredible scene. It's That's a, a dweeb. Also, anything written before 1922 is public domain. So, when does he write that? 1923? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're doomed. Uh, Darn it! <laughs> No, but uh, going back to circling back to our broad point here, that's a, an incredibly emotional scene. It's a very character-driven scene. Um, I guess there's not a whole lot of tension because, like, w- we know that Mozart dies. Yeah. Um, I guess there's some tension of, like, how is this particular conniving scheme of Salieri going to unravel? Is he going to steal the Requiem? You know, like, what's what's going to happen? Yeah. But it's, it's mostly it's character and emotion there. Mm-hmm. So... So we've got tension, character, and emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you would you blend character and emotion together? No, I think I think they're separate things. I okay. think the characters have to be at least individualized as characters, but I don't think they necessarily need to be emotional characters. Gotcha. I think that the emotion part is it's more a product of scenes and moments and themes than like. And you are a Inbuilt big stuff. fan of themes. I do like some That's themes. That's the one that I was going to end on. Like, All right. Because like, you, you like to be able to identify the theme. Yeah. Um, Fat Man is order and chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, La La Land is uh, self-fulfilled plans versus uh, filling your significant others, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, like selfishness versus selflessness. Yeah. Um, just tension of relationship. It's uh, also it's just everything. It stole from umbre- Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which <laughs> is also a really, really good movie. Um it's just not as 
it's the film independent spirit awards version of la la land yeah um uh children of men is all about survival Mm -hmm. um survival and hope and like the the the, it's a very life-affirming movie it's like Mm -hmm. about the value of life and um yeah it's it's hope is kind of the big theme i guess and how much a lack of hope can destroy a society and the existence of hope can spark people to become their better selves and you like consistency things that Mm -hmm. like a movie that's consistent of both the theme and the tone throughout yeah and you can have mixed tones so i i like me some action comedies like hot fuzz and dark comedies like in bruges but as long as it's consistent as long as it's consistent as long as it knows what it's trying to do and sets everything within those particular boundaries yeah, yeah. let's go through your like next let's go through your nine stars uh, nine stars you got about 150 go through your top 29 stars and we'll like briefly because right. we're at like an hour yeah i don't have like a definitive top 20 here but um i can go through and i can pick a a few. I've yeah. s- kind of got them broken out by category right now. Okay. Uh, Shane is one. I think that's... Pick ones that I've seen so I can actually comment on them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to skip those three. Among superhero movies, uh, Dark Knight, uh, Logan, which is characters and emotions themes, and themes and tension. Emotion, tension it's, just, yeah. it's got the whole package. Yeah. So that's, that's really something that's going to work for me. Um, Thor Ragnarok is up there. That's got a consistent uh, tone, mm-hmm. uh, character-driven. It's got emotions, a lot of character to it. Theme, redemption. Yeah, um, it's it's a little weaker on the theme, and yeah. that's kind of I think that's actually the pinnacle of a different thrust of my movie taste, which is sometimes I just want to have fun. Yeah, and well, you liked you liked jo- uh, Hobbs and Shaw, and I just could not. I I didn't hate Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, I don't regret seeing it. Yeah, I I don't hate myself for having <laughs> watched it. Um, um, yeah, that one's got the emotions. The um, yeah, it's got tension, s- not so much. No, but again, I think that's more of a fun movie, and that's a it's a different kind of thing for me. Yeah. I I do have movies where I'm just like, this is so much fun. The the Mission Impossible movies, yeah. um, stuff like that. Like, I don't care that there's not a whole lot of character. I don't care that there's not really much in the way of themes. They're just incredibly well put together, fun movies. Yeah, and that's a uh, that's something else that I can go for on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man is up there as far as superhero movies go. I think because it is more character and theme driven. Theme that's that's a redemption. If I yeah, that one's that one's actually a really well written. It's might be the most thematically consistent and incisive of the MCU movies. Um, and Infinity War actually is up there. Yeah, that's got that's emotion. That's got character Mm because at that point we know all the characters, right? And we understand where they are Mm -hmm. and why they're doing what they are. Um. With the exception of fucking Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah, theme. I think I think this one's also got. I occasionally like just a good, real gut punch of a movie. Yeah, and this is one that's got some of those. Yeah, and it's it's bittersweet at the end. It's pretty bitter it's at the bitter, end. Bitter, but like the sweet part comes in the fucking major chords right at the end. <laughs> he smiles. Yeah, because it's 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 like, really Thanos' like, movie. Yeah, you're kind of like. Oh, <laughs> good job, you big purple ball sack. Oh. I'm proud of you. You hurt me so bad. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much it for superhero movies. There's a lot where it's like, I like this. I'm having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not either pinnacle fun level 
or it's not theme character tension emotion driven enough i think the sweet part of like the bittersweet of infinity war is like feeling sore the next day after a workout mm-hmm. like ah like i got something good from that it was definitely sucks yeah <laughs> and there are there are movies that are just unapologetically bleak at the end that i really like yeah. um black christmas the oxbow incident loveless um leviathan just <gasps> Just knowing this stuff, you're gonna fucking love Marriage Story. I know. I think it's. I think it's gonna really ch- tick a lot. Tick a lot of my boxes there. It's gonna. Oh, oh I don't want to say why you're gonna. There's a specific reason I just came up with that I think you're really, really gonna like. All I right. Don't say it. Um, <laughs> I have. I have my next category that I have. Um, well, animated. I had The Incredible Zootopia and Into the Spider Verse. Um, Into the Spider Verse. I, I mean, they're all kind of. Into the Spider-Verse does the best of all of those things. Um, Tension not so much, but it's got tone, emotion, character, theme. Uh, The – what's the fucking first one that we talked about? Tension. Oh, yeah. No, that doesn't – Tensions, characters. Music's great. Emotions, themes, good music. And it's also just a fun wham pow. Yeah, it's got – that's the thing about these ones. They got a lot of fun to them. And then you got fucking Spider-Ham. Yep. What a guy. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, very serious dramas. I've got about 20 on this list. I'm not going to hit all of them. Um, hit the ones I've seen. All right. Uh, Schindler's List. All of them. Yep. Checks Every all the single boxes. thing. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, uh, just the fucking the scene when the, when he pulls the hinge maker outside and is like trying to shoot him, but his gun yeah. malfunctions. Fuck, dude. Yeah. Never had my ass so fucking clenched. <laughs> it's it's a brutal movie. It's um, it, it almost it feels like a shamelessly calculated movie to pu- push, basically just my buttons in particular. But yeah. it it sure pushes them. Um, let's see. Uh, killing of a sacred deer. Tension. Gut punch. Character. Character. Not, not really. It's it reads more like a parable to me than a. A movie with actual characters and story. Yeah, I can see that. Um, everyone's just a little bit, not archetypical necessarily, but they're uh, they're more agents of the of the the plot the ta- and the, the pl- of the story. Of and the, the I think the themes really yeah. more than the story itself. Yeah. Um, Revenge. What would you say the the, the theme is? Uh, Barry Keoghan is a terrifying human being. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, mistakes. Uh, karma. Uh, not karma necessarily, but just yeah, something something to the effect of mistakes and um, uh, 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 the value of forgiveness by the absence of forgiveness. Because there's not a lot of forgiveness in this movie. It's just kind of people hurting each other. Yeah. Um, and if there were a little more forgiveness and welcomingness, then maybe it could have worked out. Yeah. But it just it doesn't. Um, get the fuck over it, little psycho. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe that's something thematically in particular that I like is movies that show a bleaker side of humanity. So, Killing of a Sacred Deer, Loveless, kind of goes back to that one. Marriage Story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Theme. Character. Particularly have 
gut punch? No, it's not even a particularly tense movie. No. Um, there's a whole subcategory of movie I like though, where it's it's not a beginning, middle, end story. Slice of life. It's a slice of life kind of thing where they just pick you up and they drop you in a particular character and it overlaps just a few moments of their life. You're gonna like Patterson. Yeah. So I like this one. Um, I like Manchester by the Sea. I like um, Roma is kind of similar to that vein. I imagine I'm gonna like Patterson a lot when I get around to it. Patterson has a good has good theme. Uh, actually has mild tension. Um, has bittersweet end, mm-hmm. kind of stuff like that. Like it's it's it it ticks a lot of your boxes. All right. Um, we've talked a little bit about Dunkirk, but that is like the mother of all tension movies <laughs> yeah. right there. <laughs> if you're gonna fucking have a tension movie, it's gonna be that one. Um, yeah, uh, tension. Um, nothing in the way of character, but it's got some it's got some themes to it. Sort of like. British tick-tock, patriotism. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, Good music. Um, yeah. Um, there's a couple gut punches. Yeah. A couple emotion, emotionalities. Yep. And I think that's more a byproduct of the tension in this one. Yeah. I I think that's another thing for me. Like, you can get close to my very top movies if you just go all in and really nail one of the aspects. Yeah. So Dun- Dunkirk is mostly just a tension movie. Isn't that's there a well bittersweet ending? Because doesn't uh, Bane burn his plane and get caught? Yeah, it's a little bittersweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, and they they retreat like they lose the battle, but, but they got people out. And it yeah, was a successful retreat, which is a pretty bittersweet thing. Right. And him like reading Churchill's speech in the train on the way home, and yeah. then they're like they're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go back and we'll keep fighting. It's yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I see it. Yeah. Um, Memento? Oh, God, it's been forever. <laughs> uh, theme, for fucking sure. Yep. Uh, tension, constantly trying to figure out what's going on. Yep. Uh, that's more mystery than tension, though, I guess. It's, yeah. I guess it's a subset of tension. Yeah. Um, character? Yeah. Emotion by the end? A little bit. Um, bittersweet, but less bittersweet, more just ambiguous yeah uh, so yeah you can make it bigger bittersweet depending on how you read it I w- yeah i wouldn't call it so emotional necessarily yeah um and that's probably just a byproduct of my i love plot twists mm-hmm. part, part of my life um which i think everyone goes through and that one's just it's kind of the, the peak of that particular mm-hmm. subgenre um have you seen united 93 nope okay uh black swan then tension yep Themes. Themes. Themes out the wazoo. Bittersweet ending. Character. Character. Emotion. Yeah. How is this one not higher? <laughs> um, that's actually a very good question. I wonder if there's just an element of like the quality of writing because there were some moments where it was just like mm-hmm. iffy writing. There is like a, an element uh, we could put an element of just like the objective quality of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's gonna because Hellboy is objectively a bad movie. Right. It has a theme. Kind of. Does it? What was the theme? Tell me the theme, Preston. I don't know what the theme was. I don't remember there being any themes. Redem- uh, like, uh, fucking uh, personal, like, understanding yourself and your destiny. It's not a theme. It's something you put on the back of kids' cereal boxes so they'll buy more of it. I mean, th- there's destiny. There's destiny. <laughs> the fuck Star Wars is like a whole destiny-based <laughs> thing. 
The whole thing of Star Wars is all based on destiny. <laughs> and you'll notice Star Wars makes only one appearance in my, my top probably 100 movies, and that'd be Empire. I've only rated 100 movies, so all of the Star Wars is good. <laughs> actually, I think, actually, I think, um, I'm not going to try to find it. Yeah, don't, don't bother. Uh, the Lobster. We, uh, I mean, we know how Yorgos goes. Yeah. Theme. Um, actually tension. A, a bit of tension. Yeah, a bit of tension in that one. Um, the ending is not bittersweet, I'd say, though. It's not. It's, an, it's another ambiguous, and it can be bittersweet if you read it a certain way. Yeah. Um, it could also just be very bitter. Yeah. That he one like misses and he just fucking kills himself. <laughs> he <laughs> just doesn't go for it at all. Walks out, leaves her in the cafe, wondering if he's going to come back. Yeah. Or if he just doesn't do it and decides to live with her and she's blind. And uh, yeah, that's that's one thing. There's a lot, of, a lot of ways know. that could go. Yeah. So um, sweet maybe. Yeah. Uh, thought of something else for that one. I forgot what it is. Oh, uh, grim side of human nature. Grim side of human nature. Yeah, we see a lot of human unpleasantry in that yeah, one. Yeah, that's a. That's a pretty on-the-nose commentary on society's view of, of relationships. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit bit there. Yep. What else? Uh, Roma. You didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. Uh, the Hunt. Oh. Bittersweet ending. It's kind of bittersweet. Ba- the, the very last thing is yeah. like it not – you're like, oh, sweet. End. There's the bitter. Yep. <laughs> um, tension. Mm-hmm. Emotion, character, bleak side of humanity. That one's all there. Yeah, it's got it all. I don't know why it's not higher. There's something. There's got to be. You don't like Danish people. I'm sure that's it. I'm sure that's the reason. (laughs) You don't like uh, Mads Mikkelsen. You don't like Viggo Mortensen. You don't like uh, um, Nikolai Costa-Waldo. Waldo? Waldo. 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 You don't like any of those three people? Nope. They're all terrible. Those are like three of like my kind of top ten actors. They're pretty great, aren't they? I fucking love them all. Yeah. <laughs> we need more Danish people. Uh, let's see. You haven't seen – have you seen A Serious Man? Nope. That one's good. Have you seen Silence? Nope. Have you seen The Favorite? Nope. You should. It's. I know. It's, it's Yorgos. Oh, no. It'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, be a while before I see another Yorgos. He's – I need a break from him after watching two back to back. You should uh, cleanse your palate a little bit with Hereditary. Oh uh, nope, <laughs> absolutely fucking not. <laughs> I would like to watch you watch Hereditary at some point, dude. No, that's what we're gonna. One of the things we're gonna do is like playing scary games. There's a game called Amnesia that I played a little bit with uh, my sister, and mm-hmm. like me playing a horror game is funny because I do as much as I can to distract from the horror. So I'll, like, pick up a broom, and I'm like, I'm going to carry this broom around for the rest of it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Mission Impossible Fallout. That's kind of just a – That's a fun romp. That's a fun one. Got I mean, a little it's, bit of tension. Yeah, it's got, got – a bit of character. It's got tension. It's got a little character, a little little darkness, but – Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Quiet Place. Quiet Place checks a lot of those boxes. Tension. Uh, character. Character. Emotions. emotions. Not like bleak side of humanity. It's actually pretty hopeful side of humanity. Yeah, I I think I do like movies also with optimistic themes. That's the weird thing. Like I can go either way. I can go either full full your ghost bleak side of humanity. I can go full optimistic about human nature. Like uh, Knives Out. That was that's actually another good example of one that I really like. It's got a lot of these things, 
But that one got ten. Yeah, a lot of tension. But it kind of it ends on an optimistic note, like sort of thematically. It's like you play the game by the right rules and you win. You win. And that's a uh, I I like. I don't like exclusively that, but that Anna is something Bayar. that could Anna put a Anna movie. Anna Armas is going to be in the next one. Maybe as like her, I as think his, it's unlikely as, as his as like a kind cameo. of protege. I think I think maybe as a cameo she'd show up, hmm. but I don't I don't think it's likely she'd be in it herself. Dude, they got a stacked cast for the first one, and how successful it was. They're gonna get a more stacked cast. They're gonna get fucking RDJ in that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they maybe. got Captain America. Now they're gonna get Iron Man. Yep, Iron Man being an asshole. Yep, which we got with due date. Have you seen due date? No. Oh, it's really funny when I was a kid. But I'm pretty sure if I go back and watch it, I own it. If I go back and watch it, it's probably going to be fucking terrible. Yeah. Remember when I made that joke about you have a one-night stand and you hope you don't wake up with a hangover and a due date? And it made a lot of sense in context and it's the best joke I ever made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So Quiet Place is good. Uh, get Out. Uh, I mean, t- tension. I don't know about character. Um, I didn't watch yeah. the whole. Th- I haven't seen. The oh, whole you thing. haven't seen the whole thing. It's got character. It's got themes. It's got a lot of themes. Yeah. Um, White people are the fucking <laughs> worst. It's also got a lot of good like plot twisty kind of stuff, which uh-huh. I've still got some residual love for that. Yep. Like um, yeah, I think Gladiator and uh, Memento and The Prestige were very important movies for me formatively. Yeah. And Dark Knight. Those are kind of the ones that l- I guess laid out the groundwork for what my movie watching taste would become. Yeah. Um, Silence of the Lambs. That's all of them. Yeah. Uh, not really emotion. Not a whole lot. Doesn't no really do emotion. Uh, let's see. The Babadook. Did you see the Babadook? I did not. Okay. Scary. Yeah. It's very scary. It is very scary. Uh, Rival. We talked about a little bit. It checks a lot of these boxes. Yep. Um, Lord of the Rings. Kind of just fun, but also themes. Character. Yeah. I mean, it's had some tension. Yeah, it's got some, some real places. tension. Uh, nostalgia factor, just because I grew up with those books. And yeah. those movies were... Those are the first movies I remember being excited to go see in theaters. Yeah. I was like, this is something I know and love. They made a movie of it. Mm-hmm. Heck yes, let's see this on the big screen. Um, The first two end bittersweet. You could argue the third one ends a little bittersweet. Does it? The fuck's bitter? Oh well, they leave. They go to Greyhaven. Yeah, so I guess. I guess that, but that is kind of like the the sweet ending for Frodo, because his ending is bitter up until then. He's like he's still got the lingering scars, both yeah. um, mental and physical. Yeah. Um, and he's got his nice missing finger where you can actually fucking see his finger sitting under his. Yeah. Like it, like it, like bulges just the way that you can tell that it's underneath. Spend two hundred million dollars on those and like. Special effects are really gorgeous and hold up really well. Just got his finger curled up under the other one. Frodo the nine fingered. Frodo, Frodo the nine, nine fingered. <gasps> the nine rings of men. He can wear them all. He can wear them all and not have any <laughs> fingers left over. <laughs> Frodo's the ultimate king. That's what Return of the King means. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, The Martian. I think that one really just fits more just fun. Yeah. That's kind of a pinnacle fun movie for me. Got a bit of tension. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's got real narrative tension and stuff. Like, I'm not saying fun is the only thing that can make a movie work for me. Yeah. Because I think Birds of Prey is basically only a fun movie. 
uh-huh. for me. And so I like it, but it's never going to crack my top 50. Yeah. Um, but The Martian, it's it's fun, but it's got good writing, and a lot of the other stuff is done pretty well. Yeah. Um, Inception. Attention. Bittersweet? I, no, it's, it's a little, it's mostly just an optimistic ending, I think. Is it? Yeah. Because fucking, what's his name? The um, Killian Murphy's character gets kind of this weird bittersweet thing with his dad. Yeah, but I mean, that's like a, it's, it's the reconciliation with his dad. I mean, not a real reconciliation, but it's sort of that's a That's like, I, I think from an uh, from audience perspective, it's a bit bitter. Like yeah, it's no, it's a, it's a really emotional scene. Yeah. But it's it's also the catharsis we want for that character in as much as he's much of a character at all. It's not very yeah. character driven. It's also like that one's also just a lot of fun and plot yeah. twists and good music and stuff. And Blah. it's gonna it's gonna check the other half half of my boxes, I think. Blah. Um here's an interesting one. Europa report. Tension? Yeah. Yeah, I think tension's pretty much in everything. Um good thing uh i don't remember it enough doesn't have a lot in the way of character it's kind of light on theme i mean it's got a little bit of like sacrificing for the mission and furthering humanity and i think you also like thinky stuff yeah like what ifs yeah like what if we went to just europa yeah music's really good it's probably my all-time favorite film score um yeah i think we've hit enough no, I've got like five more I want to do. Okay. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, cinematography is really nice. And oh, we yeah. haven't we haven't talked about my taste in cinematography, but there's like particular color palettes and sensibilities I really like. Do you and like that one the hits orange on. and light blue color combination that's on every single movie poster? It's ever. my favorite thing. You'll notice that every movie poster ever is orange, light blue, and a little bit of white from where I jizzed on it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, character. Yeah, There's characters and themes and um, plot twists. De- what's his name again? Deckard. Deckard, yeah. Uh, he's kind of got like this, he's got a character development. Mm-hmm. He's got like this character. Yeah, and I mean, Ryan Gosling's character has a ton. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's got a lot. I think it checks a lot of the boxes, but the cinematography really helps with that one. Yeah, um, yeah the, that's something I've noticed about myself. Particular movies have particular cinematography that works better for me. Like, Last Jedi just looked better for me than Force Awakens did. Yeah. And I can't really explain why. I would really like to have Andrew, like, sit down and make a list of a few different movies that work and the few that don't for me and see if Andrew can isolate the differences on, like, a technical standpoint. Yeah. I think that'd be a good exercise. Uh, let's see. The Prestige we kind of talked about. Um, Ex Machina. That's got themes and characters and tension and all that. Even Yedlin is the Last Jedi cinematographer. Okay. What else has he done? What else has he done? Can't say what else he's done. Knives Out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. You know, yeah, directors Ryan Johnson, stick yeah, their, uh, they, they stick with their cinematographers. Yeah. What yep. else has he done? He did Looper. He did yeah. Brick. So all of Ryan Johnson's movies. San Andreas. That's not Ryan Johnson's movie. Nope. Carrie. That's not Ryan Johnson's. Father of Invention. Tenure. Yeah, hasn't done a whole lot, actually. I mean, he's done like a, like a lot. Yeah. But well, I mean, Ryan Johnson hasn't done a whole lot. None of things that people know. All right. Yep. 
Um. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Hot Fuzz. It's fun, but it's also got characters and themes. Knives Out. We talked about No Country for Old Men. Have you seen that one? Nope. Okay. Baby Driver. Ah. Uh, music. Integration. Yeah. Fun movie. Fun movie. Character. Now they're more like they're more. Um. Um. I, I'd call this one. I'd call that one more of just a archetypal. that one. That one type hits all my fun buttons really yeah. well. I think. Good action and. Bittersweet ending. A little bit, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Random shout out to Hell or High Water. It's the last one on the list, but if you haven't seen I haven't it, seen. it's really good. Cool. Cool. We figured it out. I think we've isolated me. Basically, I like good movies. Well, we've we've got the we've got the uh, the initial draft. Yeah. We need to you think on it more, and you'll like you'll figure it out. Because I've got my criteria pretty much well sorted mm-hmm. out, uh, and I'm gonna talk to him. I'll, I'll talk about it in two weeks. All right, we'll hear but about in, it then. Till then, we we shall. Thanks everyone for listening to me. Just <gasps> basically list all my favorite movies, and then we do self-indulgent exercises to try to figure out exactly why they're my favorite movies and it was, i had a lot of fun i don't know if anyone else will have fun listening to this uh what yeah that's that's not a good sign um although you always never pay attention to what i'm saying so what? i guess i shouldn't be surprised right uh we're on soundcloud itunes spotify and podbean uh you can find us on facebook where we don't really post anything but we will start to we're we're doing some exciting things behind the scenes uh, and uh, we'll have some more information coming your way on on probably Facebook and then presumably other places as well. No, that's not true. It's uh, we're on Twitter at Just Us Losers Pod, uh, where you can rant or follow Preston's occasional rants. Yay! Uh, you can find us on Instagram, where we're also at Just Us Losers Pod, and we post episode teasers. And if we get to movies early enough, then we post pictures of Maria Menounos looking. Just so dead and so sad. So dead and so sad. For Maria. Hashtag free Maria. Free Maria! Uh, we're on Gmail, justusloserspod at gmail.com, where if you want to tell me... It, here you go. You have my movie criteria now. Make a recommendation for me. Hey! Let's do it. If you've got something that you think meets those criteria that I haven't seen, send it to the Gmail. And if I have seen it and I hated it, I'll explain why you're wrong and stupid and that movie doesn't fit my criteria at all. I don't think we can afford to be doing that right now. <laughs> As if that were something we could actually enforce in the first place. Yeah. Uh, we have a Patreon now. I don't know how that works, but we're on there. Um, you guys figure out how it works. Let us know. Yeah, send us an email. How does Patreon work? We don't know. That was that was bad. That was a bad thing you've done there. You should stop that. This thing needs to be fucking oiled. That's what she said. Ew. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, hit us up on Patreon if you want to send us to movies. Um, like, I don't know, I, w- I would have loved to have gone and seen, like, The Lighthouse last year. Something like that. I just, I didn't have the time or the money. But if our, if that ticket were bought and paid for by our wonderful patrons of Patreon, then we probably would have go seen it. And we might have done, like, an actual bonus content review thing for it. So, Yeah. Do do that thing. Give us money. Yeah, give us money. Or don't. I mean, really, it's up to you, ultimately. There's better things you can do with your money, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, next week next week is Bad Things in Good Things. 
So if you got ideas for those, let us know on one of the places or multiple of the places I just listed. And then the week after that will be Preston's favorite movies. Yay! And that'll be that'll be interesting. That'll I be... know what they are already. Yep. All right. I think that's all the things we're supposed to have said at this point in the episode. So thanks for listening. Bye. 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 That was a snare, but the snare's off. Kind of just sound like a um, generic drum sound. Your face is generic, and I want to drum it.